This is an RNZ podcast. Facebook's dominance of social media and digital advertising around the world has grown to the point where antitrust legislation in the US is looking more likely. Earlier this year, former ad executive Dina Srinivasan, who's helping to build a competition case against Facebook, published some groundbreaking research on the link between Facebook's grip on the digital advertising and what's become called surveillance capitalism. And last Monday on RNZ's 9th Noon, she told Catherine Ryan that grip can be broken and news media can Companies currently struggling to cover the costs of journalism might benefit from that. I think that the entire digital advertising industry is operating on a false assumption that consumers are okay with being tracked persistently online across millions of sites by single entities. And if you give consumers the right to opt out, I am sure that they will. And if they do, you swing the pendulum of power back to independent media organisations to monetize their own audiences. And one thing we need journalists for these days is keeping an eye on just how companies are harvesting this digital data from all of us, usually without us even knowing. Lately, three journalists in the media here have produced eye-opening accounts of the consequences. In the cover story of last month's North and South magazine, Joanna Wayne produced a gripping account of families torn apart by unexpected revelations from DNA testing carried out by companies and genealogy websites which operate online and advertise heavily in the media. It includes this quote from University of California law professor Elizabeth Joe. First rule of data. Once you hand it over, you lose control of it. You have no idea how the terms of service will change for your recreational DNA. And that applies to more than just DNA profiles. This week, the spin-off's Madeline Chapman tried to find out just how much of her personal info is out there to be harvested by others. She paid $99 to find out what the online service DateCheck would find out about her. DateCheck is marketed as a tool for women to take the angst out of online dating. But, as Madeline noted, the service might not be limited to those with good intentions. My colleague provided only my name and email and in return received my home and my work addresses. Replace my colleague with someone sinister and the distribution of such information feels not just unnecessary but unsafe. And apart from a rather soft interview with the founder of DateCheck on the AM show recently, this is the only reporting running the rule over this online service which MediaWatch has seen so far. And this week, a New Zealand journalist based in the UK, Talia Shadwell, discovered that some deeply private digital data of hers had been commercially harvested without her knowledge when she shared this on Twitter. I don't have children, but suddenly and out of nowhere, sponsored ads for baby clothing, children's books and pregnancy health were cluttering my Facebook news feeds. Now, at first, Talia figured that this might be because she had liked Facebook posts by friends who did have kids, or perhaps she thought it was just because she'd recently turned 30 years old. It made sense that my social algorithms might start trolling me like an overbearing relative asking when I'm going to get married. But it turned out it wasn't Facebook's over-eager algorithm jumping to the wrong conclusion. Like many women I know, I use a period tracker app. And I hadn't logged last month's cycle and flashed a warning that I was very late. The app likely concluded I was pregnant and began communicating the information to third-party apps and algorithms. And that's what triggered the unwanted and ultimately futile flood of Facebook ads for baby stuff. And Talia has learned she's not alone. The use of data from period tracking apps has been investigated by The Guardian and in a podcast called Someone Somewhere, which is all about fertility. 
Well, as I've said many times before on this podcast, we are not algorithms. This issue I see as a huge problem, and probably one of the worst parts of doing this work is correcting misinformation related to the digitization and commercialization of menstrual biodata. Talia Shadwell wrote about her discovery for her own paper in the UK, The Mirror, and her story was written up by her former employers here, Stuff, this week as well, with the memorable headline, Facebook thought I was pregnant. And when Talia went live on BBC Radio to talk about this, another, even more memorable headline was mooted. Talia, hello, how are you? Hi, I'm well, thank you. How are you? Uh, well, and not pregnant, <laughs> presumably. Uh, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to announce that I'm not to the whole world, apparently. <laughs> oh, but was it, what was your uh, co-worker at the Mirror's idea for a headline? It was I brilliant. think it was Mark Zuckerberg, stay out of my uterus. That's it. It's brilliant. It's really good. You should have gone with that. Now, sharing such a personal story on national radio so that others would know how technology is trading our deeply personal stuff was a bold move, as BBC host Sarah Brett acknowledged. Uh, thanks very much. Lovely talking to you, Talia. Thank you. You too. Fascinating, thanks, if slightly terrifying. Talia Shadwell, Grania, that is one of the more worrying ones, really, of your app spying on you, isn't it? And when it was all over, on Twitter, Talia Shadwell posted this wary final thought. I'm aware that by publicly tweeting the words baby, pregnancy and fertility in quick succession, I've probably triggered an excitable algorithm tripwire that's going to send me endless pictures of women smiling with nappies until I die. Well, we wouldn't bet against that, but if the algorithm has been crawling her tweets and the news stories about her thoroughly, it might just get wise enough to know that it got things completely wrong.